good Wednesday afternoon, Saskatchewan. Welcome into the Green Zone. I'm Jamie Nye with you. And as I mentioned to Justin Blackwell, a warning to Edmonton Oilers fans who are riding high with an 11-game winning streak after a comeback win over the Toronto Maple Leafs last night, 4-2. They were down 2-0 in that game until Leon Dreisaitl's ugly goal that got the Oilers back in the game, which included Zach Hyman, one of the best goals you'll ever see in hockey. That was taken away because of an offside review. Uh, but the Oilers win again 11 straight. Here's the warning to Edmonton Oilers fans. The Nye Hex is coming your way, ladies and gentlemen. I am personally, personally heading to Edmonton tonight just to make sure this streak ends for my Vancouver Canucks. I'll be in the house tomorrow when they take on the Seattle Kraken in Edmonton. They're taking the boy to his first NHL game. And if the Oilers lose tomorrow, Oilers, you, you know who to blame. You can blame me for it. Because if I show up and they lose, I think that will be hilarious. Uh, also, um, go Jordan Everly uh, with the Seattle Kraken. Jordan Everly might be named a little later on today because today is the day. It's hockey day in Saskatchewan on Saturday. Uh, they're doing a lot of events throughout the week in Canistano, hosting Hockey Day in Saskatchewan. So today, myself, Drew Remenda, producer Scott, and a special draftee, Daryl Davis, who wrote the book, Fire and Ice, Why Saskatchewan Rules the NHL. He will be here on the Green Zone to help us draft the Saskatchewan teams. And this is how it's going to work. Three forwards, two defensemen, one goaltender for each of us. So six rounds. I was going to put rules on it, like let's do a goaltender round. But I'm like, no, it's wide open. If you want to take a goalie in the first round, go ahead and take a goalie in the first round. If you want to wait till the last round, go ahead and wait till the last round. So coming up, 335, we are going to do a draft on just Saskatchewan-born NHL players for Hockey Week in Saskatchewan and Hockey Day in Saskatchewan and Canistano uh, coming up this weekend. So stay tuned for that, 335. And your suggestions, please, help me out. Drew Remenda, Daryl Davis, they, they have long been following Saskatchewan players, much longer than Scott and I have, like 20 years more. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five is the fan line. Your recommendations on who should go early, or maybe some late round steals for Saskatchewan born hockey players. Also coming up on the Green Zone, one of the great stories from the Wild Card Weekend in the National Football League was seeing Baker Mayfield of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bring down the NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles. And in his contract, he gets $250,000 for every playoff victory as a bonus. He made two hundred fifty grand. Beat Detroit, you win two hundred. You get two hundred fifty grand again. Uh, we'll take you to Tampa Bay. Uh, Pat Donovan is the pre- and post-game host uh, for 95.3 WDAE in Tampa, talking about the Bucks' chances to Detroit. 
But when it comes to the Buccaneers heading to Detroit, (laughs) this happened yesterday at head coach Todd Bull's news conference for Tampa Bay. Looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, The weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, Today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures (coughs) we tend to drop to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. Out. Um, no, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus, going under the thing, so we'll be okay. I give him credit that that was his response. That was the most professional I think you could be in that situation, knowing what's going to come out of your mouth is going to embarrass the reporter anyway. He could have made it worse and just said, are you an idiot? They're in a dome. Like, no, we're not. Like, He could have got angry about it. Like, do your research. What do you, come on, get out of here if you don't even know where we're playing. And he just said, we're, <laughs> how do you put it? You know, we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. <laughs> we play indoors, right? They have a dome. So, yeah, well, we'll be good. Uh, playing in Detroit. It'll be cold outside, uh, but in the stadium, we'll, we'll be just fine uh, in an indoor. It reminded me of a situation, a similar situation in Saskatchewan, which is just somebody asked a quarterback. I can't remember which quarterback it was, but it was a preseason game, and it was a young quarterback coming to Canada, first pro game, Will it be intimidating? The question was, will it be intimidating coming out to, you know, what looks like, like 30,000 people? And the player looked around, literally went and looked around old Taylor Field and went, I think my high school stadium was about this size, so I think I'll be okay. Because <laughs> they're from Texas. And you look at some of the high school stadiums in Texas – uh, yeah, they were as big as the old Taylor Field. Uh, similar stature, but yeah, the, Tampa will be fine in Detroit. But the team they eliminated was the Philadelphia Eagles. And after the game, all of a sudden the, the news reports came out. Jason Kelsey told his teammates, he, that was it, he's done, that's his last game. But he hasn't made the retirement announcement official. Today on the New Heights podcast with his brother Travis. He addressed the rumors that he will retire. You know, Nick kind of gave me an opportunity to talk. I didn't announce what I was doing on purpose, despite, I guess, what's been leaked to the media. I just don't think you're in a position after a game like that to really make that decision. I just don't. There's too much emotion in the moment to really fully grasp that decision. I'm not trying to be dramatic and continue to draw this thing out. I'm really not. It's just something that I think, uh, you know, when it's time to officially announce, you know, what's happening in the future, it'll be done in a, in, in a way that's, you know, definitive and pays respect to a lot of people and uh, individuals that have meant a lot to me and has led to the career I've had. You know, I don't think that it would be respectful or 
even accurate uh, to be able to do that right after a game like that. Yeah. But I did address the team and pretty much said the same thing that I just said to you, which is, you know, I got belief in every single one of you guys, you know, cherish the moment you have in this league. A lot of guys like, you know, if that is your last game, I feel sorry for you. And I'm like, you don't feel sorry for me, motherfucker. <laughs> I had a <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, man. So you could hear the emotion at the end there between uh, Jason and Travis Kelsey. It would appear that, yes, he will retire, but he'll wait to make an official retirement news conference in Philadelphia when he's ready to do so. Uh, but like, six-time All-Star, seven-time Pro Bowl, star center, 193 starts in 193 games. Uh, he's going to the Hall of Fame is uh, Jason Kelsey. And, of course, used to snap the football at Cincinnati for Zach Kalaros of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, coming up here on the Green Zone also, Jay Onright is going to join us. He's going to Canistano Friday for uh, their fundraising dinner for Hockey Day in Saskatchewan. And Daniel Wapple is going to come up. He's the uh, goaltender coach for the Regina Pats. He also runs a goaltending academy. Uh, and there's been a lot of talk. Even Sports Center and That's Hockey are actually doing a whole week on what happened to Canadian goaltending. What's going on? As we talked yesterday, Marc-Andre Fleury went to number two, and it was Brodeur, Wah, Fleury, Luongo. You go down the list, Canada ruled. Not so much anymore. When you look at goaltenders in the NHL, the top goaltenders in the NHL, it is Andre Vasilevsky. It is Connor Hellebuck. It is Thatcher Demko. It is yeah, Markstrom. and. When you look at who could play for Canada in the Olympics in net, you're going a little down the list to find the top Canadian goaltender. So what's going on? We'll ask Daniel Wapple about it, what he's seeing. Is it just numbers? Are there just less goaltenders? And I think you coaches, people in minor hockey, I imagine you've had a goaltending situation this year. Goaltender's sick. Where are we going to find a goalie? Producer Scott, we were in an era, we were talking about it earlier today in the Green Zone Lounge, saying when we played like minor hockey, like it was everybody's hand went up to play goal. It was who wants to play goal tonight? Everybody wanted to play goal. But now it's um, a little more pricey uh, to play net. Daniel Walpole will be up at uh, 5.05 uh, this afternoon here on the Green Zone. But directly ahead... An era has ended in basketball in Canada. The 2019 Toronto Raptors are officially gone. As Pascal Siakam is the last out the door traded today. We'll tell you about the deal next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jamie Nye. This is the Green Zone. And a major deal in the National Basketball Association with the Toronto Raptors being finalized as we speak. As many insiders say, Pascal Siakam, a longtime Raptor, is being traded to the Indiana Pacers for a package that includes Bruce Brown, Jordan Mora, Three first-round picks. The New Orleans Pelicans are involved in the deal. Akira Lewis Jr. to the Raptors. 
They'll get a second-round pick from Indiana. But that is it for the Toronto Raptors from 2019. You remember the team that won the championship. First it was Kawhi, he left. Serge Ibaka, he gone. Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry. They just traded OG Ananobi. And it's just more and more. There's only one player that played any minute in the playoffs in 2019 that is still on the Raptors. And that is Canadian Chris Boucher. He played four minutes total in the playoffs in 2019. So they're all gone from those who impacted the championship as many are going, did they wait too long to do this for the Toronto Raptors to rebuild? It was hard. They were hoping some of their young stars like Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and Precious Achua and they'd turn into the next ones. They've been all right, but of course, haven't got the Raptors anywhere near uh, the top of the table, and especially recently. So another one is out in Toronto, but three first-round picks for Pascal Siakam. And he's having a career year for points, 24 points per game, uh, minutes, assists per game. The last year he set his uh, career high for rebounds per game. He's right near that mark again this year. He's been phenomenal. NBA all-star caliber player for the Toronto Raptors. So they get a huge yield, and the Pacers are in, and it sounds like Pascal Siakam will likely sign an extension with the Indiana Pacers as well. So doesn't appear there might be any playoffs coming for the Raptors. Even a play-in game in the 7, 8, 9, 10 seeds now play in to the playoffs. Don't know if they'll even get there. Uh, right now. So that's the story from the Toronto Raptors and also uh, news in the Canadian Football League. I think uh, the Riders should be interested in this player. Hey, you don't know me, but you don't like me. I'm sorry, Scott. That That's a bit of a stretch. That's a bit of a stretch. Streets of Bakersfield's a bit of a stretch to talk about Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm just saying. You can call me out on the text line if you want, but I think that's a stretch. This is a green zone. I'm Jamie Nye. Uh, thanks for joining us on uh, this Wednesday. Feels almost like spring out there. It's only minus 18 right now. Hoo-wee. Things are looking up. Of course, Environment Canada is telling us it's going to be maybe plus one degree next week. I believe that when I see it. Uh, but of course, we know, we know. As the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers told a reporter yesterday, weather will not be a factor in Detroit. It's in a dome as the Lions take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're joined by the host of the pre- and post-game show in Tampa Bay, Pat Donovan from 95.3 WDAE Radio. Uh, Pat, thanks for your time. Oh, no problem at all. First of all, I agree with you on the song. And, and second of all, you're making me feel very guilty because I've been cla- I've been complaining about the weather being in the 50s and, and wearing my hoodie because of it. Yeah, that's uh, – that, uh, yeah, you're in Florida. We get it. Uh, I, I, for the, the Rough Riders, I used to go down in that area. They used to do their uh, – at IMG Academy, they used to have their February camp, and I was like, oh, love that trip every year. They don't do it anymore, but I loved it uh, being down in Bradenton. Uh, but, uh, Pat, let's start with Baker Mayfield. I feel great. 
about Baker Mayfield. The 11 and 6 record in Cleveland, uh, they go with the Sean over Baker. They move on from him, but everybody says he's fallen in love with the game again, or he's having more fun again. What have you seen from Baker this year? Well, it's you know I think everything was worked out exactly how he had probably hoped when he signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Certainly how. They had hoped when they signed Baker Mayfield. I mean, has every game been perfect? Absolutely not. And there's been some inconsistencies in his game, and there's been some, you know, some problems here and there that that they can't get out of one situation or another. But overall, the offense has really come along as the season's gone along, and uh, it it looks a lot better than I think most people expected it to. My apologies. I did almost just get uh, killed by somebody in traffic. Oh, geez. Well, I've, I've driven in Florida, too, so that ain't no, no surprise either. <laughs> so uh, you get it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just down there last winter. Uh, go, woo. Uh, yeah. Keep your head on a swivel. Uh, Pat Donovan joining us, a pre- and post-game show uh, host uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When you see this team, and how have they grown up as the season has gone on, moving away from Tom Brady and not having that experience around and really figuring some things out because they've been one of the hotter teams as we've dipped into the playoffs. Yeah, right. They've won five of six in the last two weeks before the playoffs were not necessarily pretty, uh, but they had won five of six going into the playoffs and, you know, especially offensively, right? Because defensively Todd Bowles, uh, a lot of the same players, although a couple of impressive rookies on that side of the football, the system's exactly the same, right? But on the offensive side of the ball, a new quarterback, obviously, with Baker Mayfield, but a whole new system for everybody on that side of the football. And you knew it would take some time. And it certainly did, especially in the run game. It was going to take some time for that, that offensive line to gel and kind of figure out that zone blocking scheme. And you could see early in the season where they were getting next to nothing done on the ground. Then, of course, you flip to the end of the year, and Rashad White is finishing the year as you know one of the most productive backs when it comes to total yards from scrimmage uh, because of the way that offense progressed and, and they figured things out as the year went along. And it was very similar for Baker. You know, there were games where it, it kind of looked like he wasn't quite sure what he was doing in this offense. And then uh, at the end of the year, you know, the first quarterback to ever go to Green Bay and, and post a perfect passer rating. And then what he did, I think, this past weekend against Philadelphia was equally as impressive. Did anybody in Tampa see 32 to 9 coming against the defending NFC champions? Well, so we have this really crazy caller named Buccaneer John who calls our show and and he always thinks the Bucks are going to win by about 50 points. But other than Buccaneer John, uh no, nobody saw this coming. I think a lot of people thought the Bucks were going to win and win in maybe a close game. I remember saying if the Bucks were going to win, it was going to be close. If it was going to be a blowout, it would have been Philly blowing out the Buccaneers. That was that's what I said and clearly I was I was very wrong about that. I, I think people were hopeful that the Bucks could do enough, especially after only beating Carolina nine to, nine to nothing in the season finale. I think they were hopeful they could beat Philadelphia, but I don't think many people, logical people, thought it would be thirty-two to nine. Of course, uh, you, you've been able to be around Baker Mayfield a little bit. Uh, a lot of the the play in Cleveland was, you know, they want a more mature person at the quarterback position. Uh, so they go with Deshaun Watson. But anyways, what have you seen up close from Baker Mayfield as uh, maybe not a a franchise quarterback, but the guy who was next up after Tom Brady? Yeah, and and I think you're right, right? I think he still does have something to prove before you can call Baker a franchise quarterback or at least an elite quarterback. But you know what we've seen is a guy that, and, and I kind of expected this. I, I thought for a long time that, that because they're kind of similar physically, 
that some people have kind of compared Baker Mayfield to Johnny Manziel. And when the reality is that, you know, maybe there are some things in their game that you might say are, are a little similar, but outside of that, as human beings, they couldn't be more different, right? Baker is, is married, about to have a, a child with his wife, and they have a foundation and just, you know, really, when you talk about maturity, right, he is absolutely a mature young man at quarterback and really embracing the opportunity that's in front of him, which, as you know, right, was his last best chance to be a starter in the NFL, and he's grasped that, and, and he's done it in a way that uh, I'm pretty sure that most people here in Tampa Bay and certainly that organization want to see him back here next season. How important was that knock of having to look around, going to L.A., uh, you know, fighting for the job in Tampa for Baker to maybe become more mature? I, th- I think it's absolutely helped him. You know, you have to imagine that anybody who goes through something like that, where you're the first overall pick in the draft and you're supposed to be the guy, and then all of a sudden you're a journeyman who may not have another chance to start in the league, like that's got to be a-, a knock to anybody's ego, and it's got to be something that you're going to grow from. And-, and then listen, did I know Baker before this year? I absolutely didn't. So there might have been a lot more maturity there, as kind of I suspected, than-, than people thought to begin with. Um, but absolutely, and, and he's talked about it. This has this has def- definitely made made him grow. Um, this this kind of bouncing around situation that he's found himself in. But he thinks he's found home, and, and certainly the people here uh, think so as well. Of course, uh, they head to Detroit for Sunday in the divisional round. Let's focus in on the Bucks against the Lions. As we're joined by Pat Donovan of ninety five point three WDAE Radio, pre and post game host of the Bucks. They played the Lions earlier in the season. Uh, Rashad White wasn't quite uh, there yet in how he's taken over, especially in the back half of the season. The Lions didn't have Jameer Gibbs in that game, 20-6 to final in favor of the Lions. What did they learn from that game, and how optimistic should they be to head to Detroit uh, to take on one of the best teams in the conference? I think you have to be optimistic and you have to be hopeful whenever you're you're in a position when you, where you have a chance, where you're in the dance, right? But uh, at the same time, I think they're not going to believe that within the locker room, and I sure as hell don't want them to. But uh, if I'm looking at the two teams, I still think Detroit is, is significantly more talented than the Buccaneers are at this point right now. And, and listen, uh, the Buccaneers have the second straight chance to uh, finish a, or, or get revenge, I should say, from a two-touchdown loss from earlier in the season. The Eagles beat them by two touchdowns earlier this year as well, just like the Lions did. But unlike the Eagles, right, the Lions are not stumbling into the playoffs. And the atmosphere there in Detroit, and nobody who watched that game you know, this past weekend wasn't blown away by the way that building sounded. And that's another thing the Bucks are going to have to combat. So, Listen, this is a gritty team. They've kind of followed Baker Mayfield in that way of, of being very gritty, and it's not always pretty, but they are going to stay in games, and if you don't execute, they'll, they'll find a way to beat you. But I think if you look at the Lions and the Buccaneers straight up and, and everything goes the way that it should on both sides, the Lions have been a football team. Well, you you look at the, the Lions, but uh, of course they can put up the points. But the Buccaneers, of course, have been, when you look at points against for the Bucs, uh, they are one of the better teams, of course, six of their games against their own division, which wasn't the sexiest division uh, in the National Football League. But uh, t- how much will this more be less so on Baker and more so on the defense trying to contain Jared Goff, uh, 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 St. Brown, and everybody else that they'll throw at him from Detroit? Well, it's, it's listen, Jared Goff has been really fantastic. And what an interesting you know matchup this weekend when you think about 
two guys that were first overall draft picks who are now competing to go to an NFC championship game on teams that didn't draft them. You know, maybe we give up on quarterbacks a little too fast in this league, right? Um, but to your point, it was the second guy. You know, I'm on Ross St. Brown. I said going into the first matchup that he scared me, and, and he scares me again because as much as big, tall, physical wide receivers uh, for a lot of people might be the you know, the guy you want to draft or the guy you want to build around, it's those small, quick, fast-twitch receivers that get in and out of their breaks very quickly, like I'm on Ross St. Brown, who have really given the Buccaneers trouble. And I, I thought that he would going into the first game, and, and he did. I remember there was a point, I think it was late in the third quarter, where Amon Ross St. Brown had one fewer reception than the entire Buccaneer roster uh, at that point in the game. So he's a guy that, that is always trouble for everyone, and I think will be trouble for the Buccaneers again this weekend. Um, Todd Bowles is, is smart, and he, and he knows how to dial up blitzes, and he knows how to you know confuse people defensively, and he'll throw some things at the Lions. I, I still don't know how they cover Amon Ross St. Brown. Well, Pat, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us uh, here in uh, Saskatchewan, and uh, hopefully uh, everybody out there feels a little warmer. Uh, sometimes I say thanks for joining Saskatchewan, but Saskatchewan went to Florida for the last 10 minutes uh, just to get a little warmer. Thanks for your time. Hey, good to have you guys here. Uh, Pat Donovan with us, a pre- and post-game show host uh, in uh, Tampa, Florida for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks and the Lions on Sunday uh, from Detroit. But yes, the reporter asked Todd Bowles about the weather impacting the game. They're in a dome. They'll be fine. It's inside in Detroit. But did you hear the news out of Buffalo? Snowpocalypse 2.0 might be coming their way this weekend. And there's talk of maybe another disruption to the schedule for the Bills and the Chiefs. We know the field will be fine. We saw that, but might be more fans sitting on snowbanks uh, this weekend in the divisional round. Coming up next, this day in sports history, plus John, uh, Jay Onright will be here. Uh, of course, the host of Sports Center with Jay Onright on TSN. He's coming to Canistino uh, for Hockey Day in Saskatchewan for the gala on Friday night. And then, 3.35, we are doing our Saskatchewan hockey draft. Only available are those born in Saskatchewan. Myself, Drew, Daryl Davis, producer Scott will pick our team. And then tomorrow and going on the weekend, you can pick whose team has the best roster. I'm not going to be here to defend my team, so I just just make sure you give me some credit, all right? And wouldn't it be hilarious if I won again without my influence that Drew Remenda uh, discusses all the time? I, th I think it would be uh, quite nice to take a W when I'm not even here to defend myself. But if Drew wins, we know something's amiss. This is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Weather in the Buffalo area impacting uh, the NHL on TNT tonight. <laughs> so they were supposed to do the Sabres and the Blackhawks tonight. However, due to travel restrictions, that game has been postponed to tomorrow, but it's a national game tonight for TNT. So instead, uh, they will do the Red Wings and Panthers game tonight, but the play-by-play -play crew is stuck in Buffalo. 
So, the panel will be calling the game from the studio with Biznasty and Henrik Lundqvist and Anson Carter. It'll be like the Manning cast uh, with those guys from the studio uh, during the Panthers-Red Wings game tonight uh, for the NHL on TNT. Hepbridge Farm remembers. On this day in sports history, Cleveland Brown fans, plug your ears. Draw to Biner. Ernest Biner. Fumble. Fumble the ball, and Denver has recovered. Oh, my. There it is. Denver's ball at the two-yard line. Yes, the Cleveland Browns at the three-yard line with a minute 12 left. Ernest Biner fumbles the ball. Broncos recover, win the game 38-33 on this day in 1988. And also on this day in sports history, the day was 1996. Greg Johnson in the corner. Ninety-six on this day, January seventeenth, Steve Eiserman scores his five hundredth goal with the Detroit Red Wings, uh, joining Gordy Howe as the only players to ever score five hundred for Detroit. 